Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. We're the Real Estate Woman, and I'm Crystal. I'm Candy. I'm Colleen. And I'm Tamara. Welcome to the Passive Investing Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to dive into the case study of a passive investment going full cycle. To clarify, going full cycle means from purchase of the sale um, to the sale of a passive investment. This is a great thing to learn and to hear about because not only does it help a new passive investor know what to expect, but every investment has a different story and every story has valuable lessons to learn. And that's why we brought Doris Ng on today. Welcome to the podcast, Doris. Hi, thank you, ladies, and uh, excited to be here and share some of my experiences. Welcome. So Doris is a partner at Two Sassy, Sassy Sisters Investment Partners. She's been investing in real estate since 2012 and has been involved in and owned and invested in over a thousand units across multiple states. So Doris, could you tell us uh, in like one or two minutes of how you ended up into multifamily investing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely wasn't something I listed on my career or this is what I'm going to be or went to school for. So that's the first thing. Um, I actually, um, uh, by trade, I'm an entrepreneur, really. And what I like to do is kind of like, you know, leverage uh, time and people to make money. So do the job once and get paid over and over. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that um, right out of college. I opened up a, a restaurant with my sister and uh, that's anything but passive, but we opened that very active operating business and uh, we knew we wanted to go ahead and create a legacy of generating some sort of wealth. And at that point, um, the opportunity of a restaurant came up and we decided to jump in. 17 years in, we grew a sizable team of about 60 employees, um, had it scaled out to where we had an operating, like a management leadership team. So essentially, Alice and I were not really in the day-to-day -day operations. And um, then at that point, we wanted something, we, we wanted, we got bored basically in 2012, mm -hmm. everything got scaled. So we're thinking there's got to be, you know, more to life than just running a successful business. So um, my sister, who's the visionary of the two of us, she decided that real estate was the thing to do. And she's like, I heard you make some good money doing it. And let's find out. So we jumped into our very first single family home in 2012. And then from there, obviously, it grew to um, the, the portfolio that we have. So um when we were operating both the restaurant and the, the real estate business, we realized that uh, real estate is a, um, it could be semi-passive or very passive, however you want to see it. Mm -hmm. And um, we knew as we're getting you know older, we're no spring chicken now at this point, that mm -hmm. running a restaurant or an active operating business, it requires every energy. Even though we had a good team in place, we were still managing you know, the overall operations of it, the macro piece of it. And it still requires us full-time work to do that. So we wanted to have another business opportunity that generates not just the, the, the income 
portion of it to basically replace our restaurant income, but also to have um, something that is a legacy driven thing that could get passed on from generation to generation. And uh, what we didn't realize that what real estate also brought was high depreciation. We never knew that you could bonus it and all of that mm -hmm. stuff and get all that type of benefits. So that was an added plus. So during the time that we were in the near end of the restaurant, we actually uh, limited uh, invested as a limited partner, um, what we call LP. We jumped into one of our first deals then and realized that I could make some good money really passively. It was just direct deposit quarterly into our accounts. And then we had the depreciation. So at that point, we found out that technically you could make money by not really working. And that really intrigued us. <laughs> So fast forward to 2018, we actually sold the restaurant right before the pandemic. And that's when we decided we need to be educating other folks about the same opportunity because us common folks, we don't have the opportunity like a lot of the, the really wealthy individuals that always had access to um, real estate projects and opportunities. So we figured let's go ahead and share it with our circle of folks who you know work really hard for their money and don't know really where to place any additional investments aside from 401k or maybe some stocks. So we jumped into that. And um, since then, uh, 2018 until now, that's where we stand is um, real estate heavy on that. So that's our story on that piece. Doris, I have to say the hospitality awesome. industry is not something that is uh, that you can succeed in very easily. It is a hard yeah. uh, a hard uh, business to be in. And so that says a lot about you and your sister, how well you work together and uh, what a team you are and and how strong of an entrepreneur you are. So uh, congratulations. I just have to acknowledge that because it just- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. Really yeah. Um, and so yeah. Now and after 17 years, we didn't pull our hair out. So I guess we are. <laughs> you know, it's funny with sister too. That can be tough. I'm sure you guys are on, um, it's so easy to butt heads with family sometimes. I know I have a sister, we're 13 months apart. So it's, uh, it's so awesome to get to do that type of stuff with them, but also has that extra challenge. So props to you guys. That's super awesome. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah. You also yeah. mentioned that you were, um, it sounds like the, she's the visionary. So she's kind of the creator. So you must be more of like the engineering analytical kind of personality to have the two of you work together so yeah. well together. Would that be? Yeah. Yeah. She's the one who thought of the restaurant idea. She's the one who thought of the real estate. So um, she does need, you know, we have a business coach and that's one thing that he had told us is, you know, as much as you don't like to admit it, Doris, uh, you actually, you and your sister work really well together because we're polar opposites and I'm, yeah, like exactly the executor. I'm the one that gets it done. She envisions it. She's like, I don't know how to do it, but we'll get it done. Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And that's usually me that comes in. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that's awesome. And I, I guess where was it in that story that you guys, kind of felt like, okay, so you did your first single family, but at what point was it that you're like, no, we have to go bigger. It's multifamily. It's that type of passive investment. When did you guys realize that the passive side was right for you versus the active side? Very good question. Uh, we bought our very first, um, you know, single family house, you know, way back when. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we realized was at that time when we bought it, we didn't know, I don't even understand Burr's strategy. I'm sure even a lot of your listeners are way beyond what Allison and I know. Um, at that point, we bought it. We just bought it. We bought off the MLS. It was just as long as it paid for mortgage. 
that's all we cared about. Then to me, I succeeded, which clearly the wrong underwriting on that piece. So we were only cash flowing about uh, $51 a month off of that first single family home. And you can imagine um, we had to split it too. So that was almost like heart wrenching. Like, okay, okay, I, I'm not trying to be Donald Trump here, but at the same time, I also wanna like cash flow somehow. If I'm gonna do $51, divide that by two, how many units do I have to own so I can replace my, you know, income at the restaurant. And, you know, you could do the math. It just got to an absorbent high number that there's just no way. So um, good question on that, Crystal, because fast forward about maybe uh, two years in, um, at this point, we're also buying every year. We're just buying to buy because I'll make a, a couple extra dollars at the restaurant. and I'll buy another one. We just kept on buying units as we went because it was just there. It was available. My realtor told me, look good. I'll buy it. I didn't know how to underwrite it at that point still. Um, so then about two years into it, two years later, uh, we have a friend that um, is part of one of the fortune builders type of thing. And they had an apartment building lesson one day event. So of course I went to that one and that's when it started opening my eyes. Like, oh, okay, this, this is, I could see this. I don't know how to do it. The numbers are still really big. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to come up with $2 million cash to put a down payment, but I understand the sense of it. And that's when um, they didn't teach syndication, but they just taught the value of owning a multi-unit and how you could leverage on that. So great. Uh, then I just went on and I um, just did some more research. The beauty was um, we did jump into an LP deal during that time too, during like 2017-ish, something like that. When I got into multifamily, I jumped into an LP deal because a friend of mine was in it. And he, I trust him dearly. He's one of those really successful entrepreneurs, grew a trunking company into a seven-figure income. So then I'm like thinking, if you know what's going on, I sure as want to be involved in it. So I dragged him. Like we, we met in D.C. for a quick minute, and I just pulled him aside and I said, whatever you're doing, I need to be involved. How can I get involved? He's like, well, I buy these apartment buildings, and then we pool in money together. And I'm like, okay, how do I be one of that pool? How do I get in, you know? <laughs> So then I jumped in. I didn't know um, what I was doing with the PPM. I didn't know the subscription agreement. I just kind of trusted the whole process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, that deal went full cycle about two, two years ago. So that's when it just dawned on me. That was my very first full cycle as far as like LP deal. And at that point, that kind of just like wrapped me up to be like, I want to be a part of it. In return, I did tell that operator, a friend of mine that we want to be involved some sort. How can I work for you for free? So I can understand what you guys are doing and all of that. And that's how I jumped into a general partner role, which is the more active operating side of the real estate piece. So since then, um, we went on to acquire um, properties as a GP. We still do some LP deals at this point because you can only leverage your time so much mm -hmm. until it gets a little bit too much. So I would highly advise if you're going to be active, you should also be passively investing as well so you can make sure your money works hard for you. That's a very good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you want to, me to share with one of our first deals that we um, did. And um, I just realized that this was more of an LP situation. So I'm going to jump into a recent deal that we did. In fact, Crystal, you were actually a part of it. That deal is coming full cycle. So this is the Florida the deal when I saw you and Ted there um, at that point. But this is a, a really awesome home run deal that I would 
advised to listen, but at the same time, um, tread lightly because it doesn't always happen like this type of yes. deal. So, um, going into this, uh, we have, um, this property was actually found through a wholesaler. I was at the Radcliffe food camp, like back mm -hmm. in December of 21. That's when I saw Crystal and her family. And I think your little one was there at that time too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we were at that event and, uh, we end up meeting, um, another uh, investor at the, the luncheon, he brought this deal up to us and said, you know, I, this is a really great property, great location. I just don't know how to take it down. So I looked at it, really liked it. And I passed it over to my partner who then again, looked at it, liked it and said, you know, uh, let's go ahead and actually take a look at the property. It was offered through a wholesaler. So it was Saturday at the time, Sunday, we missed the, the beginning of the, conference to go ahead and travel out to Titusville, which is about maybe 20 minutes, um, no, not 20 minutes, like 30 minutes uh, east of Orlando. Kennedy Space Center is what a lot of people know it to be. So we went out there, saw one unit out of 40. It's a 48-unit apartment building. So one unit in there, and um, we decided to put an offer then and there. Uh, we it's almost like you could call it sight unseen because the other 47 we couldn't have access to it we only had one day the wholesaler was saying you know i got it under contract the owner is only allowing this so you guys have to just trust the process so we did um we put in an offer right on sunday right after we got back to the the um event orlando we, we put in the offer and they accepted it with the contingency of you know basically money going harder earnest money being hard or non-refundable on day one so um, we put in about a quarter million in that, and that's when I didn't know what I got myself into because I <laughs> didn't see all 48 units. We put in quarter million along with two of our partners, and now the risk capital is at risk completely. And, you know, we did remind ourselves, you know, we're going to lose all the money and we can't close. Mm -hmm. Understand. Um, but the deal was is so strong to us mm -hmm. that we felt like this is a go. And um, so we went out and... Um, uh, the, the caveat to this deal was it was all in cash because they had to close really quick. So this is December 3rd, as I remember, and they, we needed to close by December 20th or 21st, one of the two days. So you only had just under three weeks to close. The purchase price is eight and a half million for this. So that's when I went over to Crystal. Do you guys know anybody with yeah. some cash? Anybody that wanted invest? So I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And this is when we were about tied this. up in our 1031 exchange that December. Yeah. So we were just selling yeah. the property tied up in the 1031 just before we made yeah. our first passive investment a few weeks later. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right? So um, we we're like, you know, I'm just asking people like, okay, anybody happen to have 8 million just lying in the bank account? You know, <laughs> that we could probably... <laughs> you know, take on. So um, at that point, uh, I came back home to Chicago and I started doing rounds of calls. Um, mm -hmm. Sure enough, um, it was an exhausting week and a half, but we had um, some really good um, limited partners that we have partnered up with in the past. And uh, we were able to raise a total of 9.2, including rehab, closing costs and everything. So all in the whole cash um, at purchase was 9.2. And we did it right at that moment. So um, to say that, you know, um, everybody should do this, of course not. And to look back, you know, I got definitely tread lightly on deals like this. So everything worked out. We were able to close. I've never been at a closing table for that long. We were at the closing table for four hours. Oh, 
oh, actually wow. still producing rent roll. We're still doing, because we didn't get a chance to do it. It was all paper. Yeah. The, the owner is a really wealthy individual, very, very knowledgeable experience. He just really wasn't good with operation. He even said, huh. I love building buildings. I just don't like operating it. He actually gave that building to his son to operate and the son um, really didn't operate it well, left it to a 60% occupancy, mm -hmm. physical occupancy, paid economic when, when you're saying collected rents is probably at a 50% level. So people living in there was 60% of it and people actually paying was 50. So you can imagine it's, mm -hmm. this deal was very, it was just going sideways all the way through. So um, what we realized was there is a huge advantage of just rent bumps in general. The property mm -hmm. was built in 2007 in great shape. Mm -hmm. All we need to do is just paint, maybe update a couple of you know minor things like appliances and flooring and we're off in the races. So uh, we took over and then day one, that's exactly what we did. We just leased out the rest of the building, took our team about mm, four months or so to lease everything out. And because of that, we were able to do a cash out refi within month six. So at that point, our um, valuation of the property was 10 million. And we were able to kick back 50% of our money back to our investors. So uh, they were very pleased with it and they didn't realize how fast it was gonna go, but we wanted to be fast so we could, uh, you know, have a, a, the, the risk part of it would be lessened out. If you could think about it, we put 100% cash in. Now we're just trying to take half of it back out. And we were able to sustain that and do that in six months. So from six months till actually today, we're only a year and a half in to this property. Um, and we're actually selling it now um, for 12 million. So um, during that time, all we did was just work very closely with the, the property manager, my partners and I, we would probably go down every quarter. One of us would actually go down there every quarter to check on the property. We're 100% ocup uh, occupied right now. Rents went from 850 at that time when we took over to now um, the highest one we rented out to is 1900. So basically more than double in a matter of like a year and a half. So we're coming into full stabilization. Um, we, I did have a call with some of our investors. And their take was on why so soon? You know, I thought we're going to leave it for three years. Like, well, the fact that we made, you know, more closer to a, a one at one point seven multiple of the money that you guys invested in, and you guys took the risk with us, we're ready to just go ahead and, and you know hand that off and be done. So um, my fastest deal so far. My risk is deal so far to say um and the wins on this is definitely for the time amount spent on it was one of our fastest so even though it was a ride from the very beginning we're extremely pleased and grateful that everything worked out the way it did so that probably answered your question crystal if you're ever wondering what happened to yes. the deal <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's definitely a wild ride. And that's, that's really great. And I think it definitely makes sense in the market we're in right now. If you can see that kind of upside. It definitely makes sense to sell. So that's, that's awesome. So happy for you guys. That's fabulous. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And we did take um, the biggest uh, thing is we, we did the biggest takeaway we did was since we bought the property in December, we were still able to do that bonus depreciation depreciation yes. on year one, like literally that two week window, mm -hmm. we we're able to do that hundred percent. And, um, and that's what really excited most of our investors. And one of them actually got money back and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. You know? So, um, that's, that's the interesting. Yeah. So all of us overall has been pleased. 
Now the next caveat is what are we going to do with the earnings? That's our next challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That says a lot right there. Like I said before, you know, your, your entrepreneurship and the team between you and your sister to be able to that. I mean, that's just an incredible undertaking for your first multifamily. Uh, Yeah. And to have it um, unfold the way it did, um, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone that would would not have had the business experience that you had, because I don't think any um, that many people would have been able to be successful with that as you did. So, yeah, yeah. and I yeah, and I think the biggest learning curve of, of you know coming into a market that's tightening up right now, the biggest thing that I'm looking for as an LP is an experienced operator that could actually weather the storm. There's a lot of operators out there, mm-hmm. but the one thing that you want to make sure as a person who is leveraging the help of others as an LP is, you know, don't make me the money. I mean, it'll be great if you can achieve the performer that you said you're going to do, but most importantly, don't lose my money. And that's mm-hmm. the big thing. So when we look for uh, an LP deal, we want someone that has some sort of experience. And I like to hear about the bad stuff. Like what is the worst thing that happened to you? Because if you're telling me you never did anything wrong, either you're not, your deals are not strong enough to where you can like get more money, make more money, or um, you're just still very new into the, you know, into the space that you haven't seen that. And now that we're getting a tightening of market, you're seeing a lot of foreclosures coming out and it's scaring people and, and you get that whole like, Arbor that re- foreclosed on that giant, you know, multifamily deal. That at the end of the day, I'm just looking for an operator that is sound, is not going anywhere, that understands what to do if something bad, or it will, when something <clears throat> bad does happen at a property, because we work on value add, that when something happens, you know what to do to go ahead and steer the ship the right way. Yeah, the, the ability to think outside the box, to, to step forward into the challenges as opposed to just trying to like hide and, and wait them out, which there's no waiting out. You have to take action and continue to try to be on your business plan. And, and with that, that's where thinking outside the box, okay, how can we continue forward? What do we need to do? How can we pivot in order to, to at least you know, get close to, um, to our goals? Because it's all speculation what we're going to be getting at the end uh and that and you're just constantly pivoting to to make sure that you're still on track in your business plan definitely Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so uh doris oh you got oh i was just gonna say you mentioned that this was a quote-unquote like super fast full cycle um so for our listeners that are lp and we don't want them to get the gist that you always put your money in and you get it back after a year and a half um, so what do you see is more likely the average time that they should expect their money to be in a deal? Good question on that. Um, three to five years, I would say closer to the five year now. Mm-hmm. Most of us as operators, we try to achieve within three years. That's a good amount of time for us to, you know, keep the property, get it, get it rehabbed and, you know, change that tenant pool if we need to. So usually that, but now with the market as it is right now, it's mm-hmm. closer to five years, I would say. Yes. And now, do you ever see or think about having any deals that are kind of, you know, that you're getting that's just cash flowing really well and things that are like longer term? Like, I definitely know a few people that 
have thought about like, okay, well, all the work to get your money into a deal. I want something that cash flows longer, not have to worry about replacing it. Do you ever see deals anymore that are like 10 year holds that people are just purchasing to just simply enjoy that cash flow to keep that deal and just seek the appreciation along the end? Or do most of do either you or maybe those that you invest with or you as an investor not really have that desire to hold things long term? Because there's definitely the, that thought of people coming from, you know, when people are learning about multifamily, when they're figuring out if they want to be active or passive, you definitely hear like buy and hold, buy and hold. But that has its pros and cons in a lot of different ways. So I was wondering your thoughts on the whole buying and holding when it comes to the passive side. Mm -hmm. Very good question. I think um, you, you pick your battles wisely on which ones. Um, coincidentally, we are doing a, um, a long buy and hold strategy on one development project we're working with. It's a 32 unit right outside of Orlando again. And that one, we make it very clear to our uh, investment partners that this is going to be a long term hold, like long term, meaning you're there's no such thing as an IRR, so to speak, because where do I, where, where's the end game to that? You know, mm -hmm. and that's the whole point is we're going to grow in this together um, because our operating partner on that one really believes in building. You know, these are new builds, of course, building this and then keeping it for a very long time. And he's just thinking upwards of like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So when we're doing the underwriting on it. We base it off of seven year underwriting. Um, but even then, um, don't expect to, you know, you could do a buyout. We do have a buyout provision on it, but that's where your money is intended to stay for that long. Now, I will say that we do tell, I mean, as an LP myself, I do want to have some sort of end game because after, you know, a certain amount of years, let's say year 10 or so, our depreciation runs off. Mm -hmm. And what do we do with that? Now we're going to actually have to start paying some taxes or gains on our rent rental income until you unless you buy something else or 1031 into something else, you're going to run into that. So that's why um, I would say, you know, as much as it is a long term game, what we define as buy and hold is we just recycle that money into a larger asset. So I'm still using that same dollar and putting into a larger asset. It's just, you know, my my time with on this train is going to be done and I'm going to move on to another train, a 50 unit then or 75, unit, whatever it may be. So we're still in that. And that's what we tell our investors that no matter what, we're still going to be in it together until unless you want to get off. There's some of our investors that prefer to just take, take the gain and use that to you know purchase their own property or jump into something else and then take the depreciation later on. So they'll pay the gains up front and then take the depreciation on a new venture so they could get it back at that point. That makes sense. That makes total sense. And I think that's a really great, great solution for those that want to keep that money working. Let's say just for round numbers, you do start with that 100,000 and that ends three years later, but you don't want to deal with it. Keeping that keeping that money in your train, essentially your investment train. So you're moving that on to buy, purchase something larger mm -hmm. collectively as a group. That's a really good, easy way for somebody who wants to stay super passive, keep their money working, have their money grow while it works. And it starts small and then Lord knows how, how what that investor would be like for you in particular, when they're five, mm -hmm. six deals in with you a couple years down the road, that 100 that they started with, 
could will far, far exceed that because of the multipliers along the way. Yeah. So that's a really good thing for every anybody uh, kind of here listening and learning. Um, that's a good thing to keep in the back of your mind to see if that's a good way if buying and hold was something you wanted, but you also want that passive side. That's a good strategy to look at to see if it works for you. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, and as, as a passive investor myself, as long as you got my principal back, you gave me back my 100,000, let's say, and we 1031 into another project together, it could be a little bit more risky like this Florida deal. Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay with that, you know, because at that point, it's my gain money or my play money, mm -hmm. so to speak, where I can actually take another step forward and feel like it's okay because you didn't lose my money in the very beginning. Now you're just mm -hmm. taking some extra effort to go ahead and, and generate that earning to like another you know, potential property. So if you look at it that way, um, a lot of our investors are completely fine with it because they don't want to. They don't want to, to lose a momentum like you're saying, Crystal, is great. You made me my, you know, multiple of, you know, 1.7, that 0.7 or that earning that I was able to, to take. Can I transfer it into another opportunity mm -hmm. because I don't want it to stop? And maybe that 0.7 will leverage in another, you know, twofold or whatever it is that it'll just keep on going. And however you're doing it, it's already my play money, so to speak. And mm -hmm. that's how I see it as an LP. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's perfect. You you worded you worded that very eloquently. Thank you. <laughs> it's a wonderful way to to mm -hmm. that is like a um, to me I got a visual seeing that like the snowball effect of um to create wealth is is through the velocity of money. So you keep that money moving. And then yeah. just in in this one example. You can see that. From right. Here. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, if you're going to use, like, I guess, um, numbers just to help illustrate, let's say I put 100,000 in and the deal, you know, came out full cycle. I was able to make 70,000 cumulative between all my monthly, all my rent rolls and plus the, you know, the appreciation value of the property. Let's say I made 70,000, you know, 1.7 multiple. And I take that 70,000, I give it back to my operators, my GPs, so to speak. And can you go ahead and take that 70 and earn another 70 with it, or maybe earn another 50 in it. So over time, I've just earned a hundred and, you know, like 20,000 off of my hundred, you know? So now at that point, you're going to snowball again into something else. So if you look at that piece, it's just my play money earning some more money. So. And much faster than buying that, that one single family and earning your, your $21. $51 divided by two. <laughs> In zero headaches. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you're very happy that you decided to pivot. Yes. Yeah. So that's why. And, and, you know, I was one of those that never took money out, never did the burst. So every 25% I put in. So the good news is I was able to cash a lot of equity out of the properties and then we redeploy those. Um, so that's a blessing in disguise for being, you know, inexperienced like I was but on that deal. Um, so I, we didn't use any money, so we're able to move it. But at the same time, like you said, I had to deal with the headaches. I had to deal with my property manager charging me 10% and, you know, hoping that I could what cash flow $200 off of that one single family home. That's a standard now. I think these days it's $200 cash flow, um, after paying everybody out. And is that worth it to do that? Yeah, it's tough. It's always a tough decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Doris, if oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just gonna say, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, they want to reach out to you, they want to join you, whatever. Um, how how would they reach you? 
Yeah. So um, I hate to admit, I'm not very active on social media, but I do check <laughs> my Instagram. So um, at two savvy sisters is the, the handle for us. It's a number two savvy sisters. Uh, email works the best for me, Doris at two savvy sisters.com. Um, we always love to educate. That's our biggest and foremost thing is education is key. And whether you invest with us or another group, just make sure that you know them well enough as far as operation, their practices, the integrity side of it. And really, that's really the only thing you're, you're really benchmarking against because as operators, all of us really know the same thing. We have a lot of the same structures on how we, we set our expectations with our, you know, um, property managers and things like that. It's more of like, how is the individual, are we aligned with our goals? Similar to what you're saying, you know, Crystal and, and Candace, like, are you long-term or are you just like the quick flip type of operator? We want to kind mm -hmm. of understand where you work, what is your motive on it? So um, that's a very good point to make when vetting or interviewing certain operators. So we like to kind of wrap up each podcast with a thought-provoking quote of the day. Um, and Tamara has chosen three of them. Could you pick a number one through three? And we'd kind of like to discuss that and get your thoughts on this. Sure. Let's do number one. <laughs> number one. Okay. Um, so the quote of the day is, don't sit and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them. And that is that quotes by Madam C.J. Walker. A Florida deal can't be. <laughs> if we waited perfect. and passed on it, uh, yeah, we, we definitely wouldn't be able to um, do what we did. And uh, yeah, a lot of um, folks are probably, you know, it, it kind of ties into that whole quote of like, do you wait to buy real estate or you buy real estate and wait kind of thing is you know now is the best time there is no other best time whenever you're ready that this is time to jump in you're if you're going to wait for the market you're going to wait for the interest rate whatever you're going to wait something else is going to impede it and, mm -hmm. and challenge it so your time if you want to get into real estate now is the time get started on it even if it's just one simple step or one what, what did they say an extra percentage a day um gets you eventually over like 300% more than what you started off the first day or something like that. So, you know, once you get to that, the momentum goes. And now the, the same thing with me, the addiction is real. Like, you know, you start buying and then you're like, I want to buy some more and then I buy some more and then you're just constantly shopping now. So, um, and that's us and we love what we do. It kind of creates that legacy building location dependence that, you know, my sister and I really value. And I see you all over the board, Crystal, going to Italy and everything. So I want to be like you, you know, <laughs> travel and work at the same time. So yeah. um, that's our, our goal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. And my goal is definitely to learn from you. And, you know, I, gosh, your story is so amazing. And it makes me realize how I need to stay more liquid because I wish we could have been involved with you with that. And I'm so happy to hear it all turned out well. And, and I definitely want to, I want to hear from the next one to be involved in it. Um, <laughs> it won't be that crazy the next one <laughs> that's okay that's okay i don't mind <laughs> oh, that's awesome yeah, yeah how, how about you guys well, how does that resonate with you guys you know don't wait for the opportunities to come make them happen how does that resonate with the rest of you ladies you have to you have to make a decision and 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 take a step towards your goals or whatever they may be if you, if you don't, then you're just sitting back and watching things just go by, like you're just watching the trains go by. Yeah, at some point, you do have to step forward and make a decision to just take some type of action. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
even even if it's just a small baby step, just by getting knowledge, just by li listening to a podcast, you're making that one step that's taking you one step closer. So you don't have to take it in one, you know, do all of it at once. You can do it in small bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you do have to make that decision to invest. Um, and, you know, that's why we started this podcast, because we wanted to be able to bring as much information in small segments as possible so that people can listen to this and and help them reach their goals much faster. Like we were just talking about today in this podcast and the velocity of money. Yep. And, I, me, and I think that also comes that is not to keep things a secret, you, you know, mm -hmm. to come from contribution and to share. So if you, you get up and you make things happen, you end up having these types of conversations and then that leads to something else that leads to something else that you just, it's the compounding of how we want money to work and then making opportunities work resonates the same thing. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Absolutely. your story too, Doris, how, you know, you heard about your friend who was very wealthy, had that business and you were like, I, I want to know what you're doing. Teach me how you're doing it. You know, you didn't wait for him to be like, oh, that's cool. Or like, yeah, would you like to know? You were like, no, I, that's where I want to be in order for me to learn how to get there. I need to ask, you need to step up and you need to make something happen. You didn't just wait for the opportunity to fall into your lap. You went out and you we're seeking that information and that knowledge. And I think that's so important for anybody to remember, no matter what your goal is in life. If your goal is to, you know, become a, do a specific gymnastic move or something, don't wait until one day, you know, somebody hits you with a gymnastics flyer, go out there, seek what, go look for, get, uh, I'm sorry, go out there and seek what you're looking for. Don't wait for it to come to you. And remember that anything, even if it's not real estate, if it's a personal goal, if it's anything, so think that's super mm -hmm. important and because you know we mindset's really important for all for us here yeah the and that's you know kind of like what you're saying too crystal you know as an lp you can watch all you want and that's what i did i watched my friend do it but if i didn't like pull him to the side he would probably you know kind of wait because he he doesn't know that i i'm that interested or hungry to do it mm -hmm. and then also as a general partner is it's also our job is to educate as much as we can and follow through because there's a lot of um folks that really want the added help on how to go ahead and even get involved that they don't know where to go and they're afraid to even mention, you know, a lot of people, I, I've met so many um, people who are actually in the space. I've met um, folks that work for syndicators before, folks that done, you know, banking, but yet they know nothing about how the whole model of passive investing works. And it's really surprising and alarming considering they're in the industry. Yeah. And a few of our investors are in it. And that's why I know it, you know, where I assume, oh, yeah, you know, you, you know how this thing works, right? This is how distribution go. This is the PPM. <laughs> no, I actually don't because I've never done that on that line of work. I worked for a syndicator before. All I did was acquisitions. I don't I don't know. Oh, all I did was this. Oh, I, I didn't know that you have to do that. I was asset management or whatever it may be that they didn't know. And it's our job to really make sure that they have all the tools and information that they need to make those decisions and act on it. And most importantly, between both sides, you have to follow up. That's the yeah. biggest thing. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Never assume somebody knows because you never know. Yeah. You know what they say about assuming. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did a lot of that. <laughs> so I just, I just gave them the documents. It's, and like, Where do I it's very simple. To <laughs> <You know? know>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the awesome. lesson learned on that. So no matter how experienced you are, I, 
we we take it to that. And I still do one-on-one -on -one with my limited partners. I still talk to them on the phone. Um, I have not really gotten to that mass, you know, like group yet where I do one call and everybody and Q and A's. I still take the time to meet with you one-on-one -on -one to go through the, the project, your returns and things like that. It does take longer. So half of my time is spent on that. But at the same time, I feel like I'd rather just deal with a few and we haven't even like, I haven't even marketed any of our stuff, opportunities. It's just usually word of mouth right now. And I really need to get on that. Hence social media is one of my biggest mm -hmm. challenges. So if anybody's in the social media world, I could use your help too on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I definitely think that speaks to um, what you're doing and that you're obviously doing it the right way. If everything's just word of mouth and you're still as successful as you are, you don't have even you don't even need to go out there. You know, everyone's telling everybody what a great experience they're having. So I definitely desire and want to be on your level in that way one day. So that's awesome. <laughs> Congrats on all of that. And, uh, you know, I, we could literally just sit here and chat about this all day. So um, I just want to thank you so much, Doris, for all of your insights, all of your info. This was so great. Um, thank you so much for the, all the listeners. I mean, the, there was so much value, I think, in hearing your story, hearing that home run, but also the remembering, you know, go out there and ask for it. It's really important um, to never assume anything and all of that. So all in all, this was a great episode. And we thank you so much for your info. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we also want to say thanks to our listeners for joining us here at the round table today. Um, if you want to learn more, you can always check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and of course, YouTube. And you can also visit us at our website at therealestatewoman.com. So thanks again. And make sure you guys tune in for the next episode. <laughs> Thank so you. Bye. Thank you. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.